0: Six years ago, a Katie Spots, a 22-year-old from Ohio, attempted to row by herself across the Atlantic Ocean. She wanted to raise awareness and money for people who don't have access to safe drinking water. Now, this wasn't Katie's first big adventure. She had been already on marathons and triathlons. She had solo trekked across the Mojave Desert. She had biked across the entire United States, and she had been the first to swim the entire length of the Allegheny River, all before the age of 22. But rowing across an ocean is an entirely different level of extreme sport. She was the youngest person to attempt a solo row across the Atlantic. To prepare for the journey, Katie needed the right equipment and a whole lot of planning and training. She got some sponsors and bought a 19-foot-long ocean rowboat. She loaded it up with the gear and food and everything that she would need. And then she had the rowboat shipped to Senegal, where she began her journey. There she is in front of freighters. She figured it would take her between two to three months to row from Africa to South America. She rowed alone, but she had lots of encouragement along the way. All around the inside of her boat, she taped photos of family and friends and people who inspired her. She had a satellite phone to keep in touch with the outside world, And her team back home helped her update her blog each day at uh, www.rowforwater.com. Kids in schools and a half a million people all over the world followed her daily progress. She even felt encouraged by a pod of dolphins who followed her for several days. Now, none of us will probably ever try to row across an ocean. But all of us are called to the greatest journey that the human heart will ever know. The journey of faith in Jesus Christ. It's not an easy journey, and the costs are high. Jesus said, which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether or not you have enough to complete it? Katie's specialized rowing boat cost more than 30000 but following Jesus costs much more. Jesus said, None of you can be my disciple if you do not give up all that you have. What does Jesus mean? Is he telling us to become communists? Sure, the book of Acts tells us that those early Christians sold their houses and their property and distributed the money to those who were in need. They did it freely, out of love and care for their neighbor. But what about us? How should we live out Jesus' command today? Does Jesus want us to live in self-inflicted poverty? Are Sarah and I not following Jesus because we own a house? Well, really, the bank owns it, but they let us live in it. What is it about our money and our possessions and all of our stuff that so consumes our attention and worry? We quickly get defensive about our money. We don't want anyone telling us what to do with it, including Jesus. Jesus. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer notes that it's tempting to say, oh, Jesus didn't really mean sell all your possessions. You can't take that literally, and surely he just meant don't set your heart on your possessions. But Bonhoeffer warns us that when we try to sidestep Jesus' words, we miss being transformed by them. Jesus' command requires simple obedience. As Bonhoeffer says, only the believers obey, and only the obedient believe. Bonhoeffer talks about Jesus' story of the rich young man who asked how he could inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus looked at him with love and said that and saw that the young man's money was getting in the way of his relationship with God. The young man had been living a good life, following the the commandments, but he felt that there was something more that he needed to do. So out of love, Jesus told him, You lack one thing. Sell everything that you have and give to the poor. Then come, follow me. Jesus invited him on the greatest journey. But the young man went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. He missed out on being transformed by obeying and following Jesus. The stuff he owned, owned him. Part of our problem with our money and our stuff is that we fail to acknowledge from where it all comes and to whom it actually belongs. They say you can't take it with you you know, because you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. But the real reason you can't take it with you is because it's not really yours. Everything that we have and everything we are belongs to God. The question is, are we using it the way God wants us to? John the Baptist said, if you have two coats, give one away. If you have food, share it. So how much do we really need? And how much should we give away? If we wrestle with that question long enough, it will change us. As Christians, we should take care of one another so that no one among us is in need. sounds simple, right? But are we willing to do it? I know a church where every so often they set out some white buckets across the front of the church. And the pastor says to them, We have been given more, than most of us here have been given far more than what we need. Uh, and so in a few minutes, we'll have everyone who feels led, you know, if you've got more, if, if you're thankful for everything that God has provided for you, you're invited to come up and put some extra money in these buckets. You know, whether it's $10, $100, $1,000, whatever you feel led to provide for others. And then there are others among you, others among us here today, who are behind the eight ball, who are caught, who, you know, you don't know where the money's going to come from for this month's rent. You don't know how you're going to be able to pay for all your kids' school supplies. Or, you know... And he would list different things and then said, So when we're playing music, we invite you to come up and take what you need from these buckets. You know, Don't be greedy, but whatever your need is, come and let it be taken care of. And that was a concrete way that they cared for one another and made sure that no one among them was actually in need. How much do we really need? As Katie Spots planned for her row across the Atlantic, she figured out exactly what she would need for the journey. She took nothing else along. She knew that taking anything else would weigh down her boat and make it more difficult for her to row and possibly lead to exhaustion, failure, or even death. In the same way, holding on to anything more than we need can lead to our spiritual death. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. One of them is going to have control of your life and heart. Which one is winning the battle over you right now? Jesus' words about money are blunt, but his other words cut even deeper. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Those are biting, sharp, hot words from Jesus. Now You can try to tame them down by thinking, oh, he doesn't really mean that. Or you can wrestle with those words until they transform you. Being a follower of Jesus is costly. It costs everything you have and are. If Jesus is truly your Lord, nothing else can have greater priority in your life. Not your possessions, not your bank account, not your job, not even your family, as hard as that is to hear. Jesus has to come not only first in your life, but only. He'll settle for nothing less. The first commandment tells us the same thing. God says, I am the Lord your God, the one who rescued you and brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods. When Luther asked what does this mean in his small catechism, he said it means we are to fear, love, and trust God above anything else. Jesus said the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. He didn't say, put God first when it's convenient and comfortable for you. He didn't say, give God an hour of your week and you've fulfilled your duty. Jesus claims all of your life. He has a right to it. After all, He's the one who created you and redeemed you. He gave His life for you. Now He calls you to take up the cross, to willingly suffer hardship and suffering for others, and follow Him on the greatest journey. To get ready for her ocean journey, Katie Spots worked out every day for months. She made training part of her everyday life so she would develop the physical and mental stamina she would need. In the same way, following Jesus is something that we do every day. We can't just follow him for an hour or two on Sunday mornings. Jesus calls us to live intentionally. He calls us to gather for worship to grow in faith through prayer and reading the Bible, to give of what God has entrusted to us, and to go in mission, serving others and spreading the good news. As we follow Christ, we can expect Satan to send trials our way. He'll throw anything that he can at us to keep us from continuing on our journey with Jesus. On her ocean journey, Katie experienced all kinds of obstacles. Blisters, sunburn, seasickness, a fire on her boat, exhaustion, loneliness, storms. Sometimes ocean rowers get overwhelmed by the elements and give up. Some have perished at sea. Sometimes Christians experience suffering and death. Jesus promised us that we would face persecution. For you, it may simply be a strained relationship and harsh words from a non-believing coworker or family member. For others across the world, being a Christian can lead to torture and death, yet they will not give up the good fight because the journey is worth it. As Paul writes, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The cost of discipleship is paid in many types of currency. It can mean redirecting our time and energy, changing our personal relationships, changing jobs or lining up our financial commitments with our faith commitment. We put things behind us and move toward what is ahead of us. The purpose of our journey as Christians is to be transformed into new people and participate in God's mission while we wait for Christ to return and renew all things. Katie Spotts learned a lot about herself on her ocean adventure. She gained better patience, endurance, and persistence in the face of obstacles. Near the end of her journey, she had to detour 400 miles, another eight days of rowing, to get to a place where the waves weren't too, bit, too rough to come ashore. The good news for Katie was that after 70 days alone on the ocean, she reached her goal, arriving safely in South America. She ended up raising over $150,000 to help provide people safe drinking water. She put in about 10,000 oar strokes every day, so that's about a dollar for every five strokes. She later wrote a book, Just Keep Rowing, and if you want to find out what she's been up to since, you can look at her website, katiespots.com. When she finally reached the South American shore, Katie was welcomed with a party, a plate of watermelon, and a big hug from her father. Here's some good news for you. Jesus isn't calling you to row across an ocean. He's not calling you to a solo adventure. He's calling you to follow him. And you've got lots of company. When we reach our journey, the end of our journey as Christians, may our Heavenly Father welcome us with the words, Well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Welcome to the next chapter of the greatest story in the world, the story that goes on forever, in which every page is better than the last. Jesus calls you to the most incredible adventure of your life. He takes your old life, your self will, and puts it to death. Then each day he gives you new life and calls you to follow where he leads. Keep your eyes fixed on him, and just keep rowing. Jesus is the way and the destination, and he will never let you go. Amen.